The Voice for LGBTQ plus youth and music only on sin. This is Loud and Queer. Welcome to Loud and Queer, the voice for queer youth and music on sin. My name is Elizabeth, my pronouns are she, her, I am bisexual and I'm recording this is to you guys on Budurong land, that which was never ceded. And I'm Laura, my pronouns are they, them, I'm queer and bisexual and I'm coming to you from Wemba Wemba and Barepa Barepa land and I would like to acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Uh, if you want to, if you want to check out the show, if you, if if you want to tune into the show, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at SinLoud. That's at S Y N Loud or Loud and Queer on Facebook. You can also check out our podcasts, previous podcasts on Omi, Spotify, Apple Music, and Stitcher. You can tune into Loud and Queer every Sunday at 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. on 90.7 FM or visit the SIN website, sin.org.au. Uh, coming up later on the show, we're going to be chatting about queer moments of joy just to, um, you know, bring a little bit of sparkle and euphoria to the show. And we're also going to have our regular LGBT news whip. After that, we'll have a um, sorry. After that, we'll have an interview with an emerging queer writer, queer and trans writer, and then we'll wrap up the show with our regular froth or not. So I think it, I think it's fair to say we can say an official welcome back to season two yeah. of Loud and Queer. <laughs> welcome back. We made it. We're a little bit late, but we made it. Um, Welcome back, Elizabeth. Thank you for joining us again. It's good to be back and it's good to see you again, Laura. Oh, thanks. It's great to have so much bisexual presence on this show as... Oh, 100%. I mean, we love every kind of queer, but, you know, the flavour at the moment is very, you know, French kiss. No, chef's kiss. Oh, no. Chef's kiss. (laughs) I do it every time. I did, it, Excuse it, me. It completely glossed over my mind. I did not. Yeah, even, you were like, like celebrating. <laughs> it's yes, French kiss. It's fine. Look, there are no French kisses going on, um, but may- chef kisses encouraged. Look, chef kiss encouraged. Yeah, but chef kiss encouraged. I hope all of you out there are getting your own chefs or French kiss, depending on your preference. Now. <laughs> Um, if you haven't um, listened to Loud and Queer in a while, I thought, you know, it'd be a nice time to reintroduce ourselves. So, Elizabeth, uh, give us a little summary of who you are, what you like, what you do. Yeah, of course. Um, well, as said, as just said, my name is Elizabeth. Uh, again, she, her pronouns, and I, I, I identify as bisexual. I um, am currently a media film student studying at RMIT. And I've always had like a great love and fascination when it comes to queer media, especially in film and also in games because I love gaming. That is a very big, very big part of my personality, not going to lie. <laughs> and yeah, I'm just, ex- I'm just happy to be back on the show for another season because this, this is one of those parts of, it's, this is one of those, it's one of those moments where I am able to talk so happily and comfortably about my sexuality and just 
how I identify with the LGBTQ plus community. So it's it's just wonderful to be back, basically. Mm, nice. Yeah, and Loud and Queer is where I got my start at Sin as well. I was a host in 2018, and it was definitely a place where I learned to talk about my queer identity more openly, knowing that, like, any amount of people could be listening and you don't know how many. It could be, like, five. It could be five million because it broadcasts across Melbourne. So, um, but... Yeah, I am non-binary and Introduce queer yourself. and yeah, my name's Laura. Um, it may not always be Laura though, so <laughs> I don't know about that yet, but um, my pronouns are they, them. And I am a former Melbourneite and I also studied at RMIT and did journalism, but now I've moved into southern New South Wales to um, be a journalist at a, a regional newspaper. So um, that's what I've been doing the last four weeks and that's why the show might not have been as consistent as per usual. But, yeah, I'm the producer on the on the show and um, Elizabeth was the host with me last year and uh, last season, sorry. And, yeah, we had a great time. So I'm really glad we're back. Um, I Definitely. And we're not alone this time. No, we've got... A new member who is an old member. So Sammy Perryman also uh, was on Loud and Queer with me back in 2018. That's how we met. Yeah, and we've been pretty good friends ever since. So Sammy's absent today, um, but they'll be helping me with production and I'm hoping to push them into (laughs) also coming on the show and and chatting with us because although – you know, they're kind of quiet like me. They also have a lot of really interesting things to say. So, um, Sammy, if you're and listening. I'm very excited to meet them. Yeah, and they're, they're super cool. Um, and I'll let them introduce themselves properly in a couple of weeks. But Sammy is helping out a friend who does drag. Their name, their drag name is Stone Motherless Cold. And uh, they're working on sort of this amazing um like it's kind of a play it's kind of a performance art piece but um maybe I'll just read the or I'll get you to read the intro Elizabeth and we can hear what it's all about because it's actually coming up very soon yep awesome okay so with all the introduction I've got to read to everyone today is um (laughs) your assignment (laughs) yes (laughs) Hi everybody, my name is Elizabeth. Yes. Yeah. Hi Elizabeth. <laughs> Introducing the Fae. An ethereal garden tucked away in the city is a flutter with Fae. Stone Motherless Cold Orente captures the similarities between the origins of fairies and early co- colonial writings on black people in this tale of displacement. Where the space of queer black Where is the space for queer black people? Is it only within these isolated gardens? Part of the mother Part of the Motherless Collective, Stone Motherless Cold frolics amongst us as a 2019 Vic NADOC LGBTQIA plus winner. There might be a crystalline posing as a human, but this Sorrente gem is a master of performance art, dance, spoken word and visual art. You can discover the Fae May 13th to 16th airing in 7pm across the four days at Signal Art Space in Melbourne. Welcome back to Loud and Queer. I'm Laura. And I'm Elizabeth. Okay, just as a bit of a content warning for this uh, for this news whip, um, so a lot of these stories deal with her- issues of homophobia, transphobia, and an alleged hate crime. 
So if that's not your cup of tea, bit of a recommend, just come just take a step back from the show for like four minutes or so and then jump back in afterwards. Just do what just do what you want to make you to make yourself feel safe. Okay. From Q News, former AFL coach Danny Laidley is is suing. Former AFL coach Danny Laidley is suing Victoria Police for negligence over the alleged malicious leaking of sensitive photos of her in custody that outed her as transgender. Last May, Danny Laidley was arrested for stalking offences outside a woman's home, to which she later pled guilty. After the arrest, a photo of Laidley's mugshot and a photo of her with two officers while wearing a wig, makeup, and a dress were leaked and shared on social media. Multiple newspapers and news sites also published the photos on their front page the next day. At the time, Laidley's gender transition was not publicly known and the leaked, and the leaked photos outraged transgender advocates. Comedian Hannah Gadsby has announced she married in January and has introduced the world to her new wife, Jenny Shamash. On Thursday, the comedian posted an extremely cute photo to her social media accounts of the two of them eating an ice cream at a cafe. Shamash, who is a television producer, worked on the Netflix special Nanette, which shot Gatsby to international fame in 2018. Congratulations, Hannah and Jenny. From Pink News, an an anti-trans bill in Texas that would ban trans students from playing sports on the team corresponding to their gender identity has failed to advance out of a House committee. On Tuesday, May 4th, Senate Bill 29 was taken up by the Texas House Public Education Committee committee, which is made up of six Democrats and seven Republicans. SB 29 is the first anti-trans Senate bill to get a committee vote in the lower chamber, but it failed to get the requisite requisite seven votes to move forward, instead receiving a six to five vote in favour. Other anti-trans bills currently on the table in Texas include one that would make it include one that would make it child abuse for a parent to support their trans kid with gender affirming health care, and another that would outright ban gender affirming health care to trans kids. Governors in other U.S. states, North Dakota and Kansas, vetoed similar bills from their own state parliaments. Across the world, an openly lesbian woman was killed in a suspected homicide in South Africa. Her family alleged it was a hate crime, but investigations are still underway and the perpetrator has not been found. Czech lawmakers passed the first hurdle of same-sex marriage considerations in their republic. And a... And a Lithuanian artist has raised $6,000 for LGBTQ advocacy by selling a digital collage reclaiming homophobic slurs. If any of these issues caused you concern or distress, please call Lifeline at 131114, QLife at 1-800-184-527, or Kids Helpline at 1800 that was our news whip. Coming up now, we're going to be talking about our queer moments of joy because we need a little bit more queer joy in the world. Um, Don't we all? <laughs> always. More queerness. I'm going to start a petition. Please. Oh, I would <laughs> sign that with a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you want to talk about today, Elizabeth? You kind of brought up a couple of really interesting things that have been making you feel like pretty, pretty good in your identity lately. Yeah, um, I had this one moment a few about, let's say last Sunday, um, when I was going out with some friends for a for one of their their birthday, and it was a lot of my high school friends. So I hadn't talked to a bunch of them in a while, and I'm still close with most of them, just like 
with how hectic life can be, you know, it can be a case of like you don't talk with some of them for as often as you should. So like at, at that time I had come out to, I'd say about half of them, but the other half didn't know or if they did, they weren't saying anything. Um, and it was funny because we were having a talk, obviously catching up and everything and, you know, having the talk a bit about obviously love life, how things are going with that. And one of my friends, because I'd been kept keeping pretty quiet, turns to me and just asks, so Liz, are you seeing any girls lately? And like I went to answer no. and then I had a pause and went and just said, I don't think I've told half the people here. And everyone, <laughs> like everyone looks at me, my friend that spoke panics. One of them goes, did you just accidentally out her? And like, it was just like a little moment of like panic, but like, oh. I wasn't, I wasn't scared or anything. Like I knew mm. my friend, like I knew my friends, they would, they wouldn't have cared and they didn't care. Like, Mm. I, I swear, I, I can't remember which, I can't tell who it was, but I, I know one of them said I knew it. No <laughs> one of them said it, which honestly, I can't, I can't blame them. But, <laughs> look, You're going to have was to also, find out. Yeah, I need You're to You're going to be like, but, how did you know? <laughs> well, gave it away. Um, but it was also a nice moment just because obviously like outing is never a, like, you should always like have the control in that situation to come out when you're when you feel ready and, and by that point mm. I already was ready like half of them already knew so like the way I'm looking at it just kind of like it kind of just ripped the band-aid off I don't have to be telling mm. them I don't even have to going up to one of them and then doing the whole dramatic I have something to tell you <laughs> yeah I hate that the most I'm like why does it have to be this dramatic thing like why can't I say it in passing and not have it be a big deal and people like oh but it like makes people feel like you don't really care about telling them or like sitting them down probably I'm like well why would they what it should be it's a not big a big deal. deal to me it shouldn't be a big deal to them you know yeah if like, it's it a big, big deal, deal to me, it should be a big deal to them like yeah they should it, go work on. off my they should like respond to my feelings on it not the other way around yeah exactly so like to me I thought it was fine I think like it, and it was mm. also nice just because it was again in that moment of like talking about love life it was validating Mm. like I'm still not seeing anyone and I'm horribly alone but that's beside the point I'm kidding (laughs) does anyone want to wait is I can cut this if you want but I was gonna say does anyone out there want to date Elizabeth because you can just add us at sin (laughs) look that's funny (laughs) anyone Bula, anyone? <laughs> They'll co- they're coming, Elizabeth. There are plenty of chaotic bisexuals out there waiting for you right now. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> Crossing my fingers. Hell yeah! I can't wait. Yeah, Honestly. but yeah, like it was. Yeah, but it was also like it felt validating at that moment because it was just kind of like, yeah, well, my experiences or lack thereof are just as valid as any of the other, like as everyone else. So it was. It's just like one of those little moments where it doesn't seem like a lot, but it meant a lot to me. Yeah, it is nice to have people like, I hate when I go to a family event and and like aunties are like, oh, do you have a boyfriend? And I'm like, well, maybe I'm dating someone who's not a boy. Like, so it's really fun. It's really nice to have your friends just be like, so what about like your ambiguous love life, you know? 
Yeah, and exactly. I think like with bisexuality, it's fun to be ambiguous more often. Oh, it's, than al- not. it's always great. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, I could be doing anything. I'm so fluid. You can't touch me. Like, it feels <laughs> like a higher power. No. <laughs> um, what else has been? What else have you kind of been like feeling valid about or feeling good about? Um, well, another thing I think was also very nice, like, Mm. again, I'm keeping names out of it just for like, just for my sister's sake, just because again, like she's confident with it, but again, like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be saying anything that she wouldn't be like, Mm. I love saying anything she wouldn't be happy about or anything, but my, one of my sisters has also become very, is, is growing and becoming very, very comfortable in her, in her own queer identity, which like, Mm. I had not thought about it much, like I call me selfish but I've been focusing mainly on my own identity but when like I found out like oh no I like I'm experimenting I'm learning more about what I about who I like and Mm. like who I want to be with and it was this moment of like you're like me like it was it was very about like she's she's very more like open and like happy when like going around experimenting Mm. which is something that I took a long time to get to really learn to do so it's it's just very nice to see, like, you no, know, you're, well, again, like, you're like me. We can relate to this. We can relate, mm. we can talk about this stuff together. And we can, again, like, we can share experiences. And it's just a very nice moment of being like, yeah, it's not just me. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Like, and I think, like, being able to approach that with the mindset of everyone does it in their own time as well is, like, really such a nice feeling, too. Yes, exactly. Plus it also means we can just kind of like have our gay pining moments together, just being like, <laughs> like, God, like, do you just want to go out and meet a nice girl? Like, it's, yeah, it's something simple, but like, it's also just so nice to talk to someone about it. <laughs> yeah, someone who gets it firsthand. It's so good when you haven't really had that or if you don't kind of have that in like a close living relationship I guess can mm. be a little bit harder I think yeah like I hope I'm able to be like that for for her as well like I hope I am mm. able to like share my own experiences and let, let her know that she's not alone either like true yeah so that's and that's kind of gets one of the nice things when you do have like people in your life that are part of the LGBTQ plus community it helps you like it helps you not feel so alone like you have people you can mm. turn to like, because before then, like, obviously, like, I was very open with my friends, but I never talked about it so openly until, like, coming on this show and stuff. So it's like, mm. yes, yeah, it's, it's it's the same for everyone. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, and I what think, like, you? that oh, – sorry, no, Well, that leads me into what I was going <laughs> to say for myself, which is um, – <clears throat> excuse me um, – that kind of, like, period of discovery and self-reflection and talking to other people who understand you and who've had those who've had those same eureka moments of oh that's why I felt that way as a kid or that's what I felt for that friend I had like quote on friend or that's what I you know that's why I like felt strange when referred to this way by people and it's like really nice to have people around who can just understand you like you don't have to like over explain everything 
you know, it's it, like it's good when people support you and are allies, but they're not going to be able to just sit with you and get it. And it's good yeah, to exactly. just exist in that space, I think. And so, like, the next kind of difficulty for me after that was being able to just believe in myself, like, outside of those moments because I have moved to a small town or when I've dated people, you know, um, men or people who pass as men and I often am presumed to be a woman um, and so people assume I'm straight and that kind of always made me feel weird in the queer community. But note, that's internalised by phobia, by the way. Um, <laughs> but like the – and we have to laugh at that so we don't cry is the amount of internalised by phobia in the community and the amount that like gay people push that on bi people but I don't want to be all I don't want to be a not all gay people but we all know it's like a certain section anyway (laughs) um or even not being sure about changing my name or transitioning and so I don't know about you know will I ever be assumed to be androgynous and sometimes it's hard to be androgynous because people stare at you more and I hate attention so (laughs) unless it's attention I've specifically asked for I hate attention so having all those difficulties of like am I bi enough am I queer enough and you know we've talked about it before those same feelings of like um have I got enough experience in the queer community like yeah the struggle of feeling kind of adequate I guess yeah and that's the thing for a lot of bi people and even if even for me I have a bit of experience with women but then even that is like people's perception of that on me is cursed because I don't want to get too deep sorry we were trying to be like joyful and stuff but I'm getting to that bit (laughs) (laughs) but like um the whole I guess people seeing my queer relationships is more valid when they're with women. And I'm like, well, I'm non-binary, so nothing I do is straight, you know. Like even dating another non-binary person, their gender is not like fixed most of the time. If it yeah, is, exactly. it's breaking the binary anyway. So why are we worried about straightness, you know? So it's it's pushing on me these ideas. So the ways I found queer joy, ha, here we go. <laughs> is things like podcasts things like being on this show chatting to you commiserating a bit when we have to being excited or joyful about those moments of understanding each other being able to be excited about like queer things or queer moments of happiness we've had for each other like you with your video games and being able to play a queer character that was sick like me being able to like um meet like the two queer people in the town here like whatever it is it's like really really just good for us to be able to like no you're not alone yeah no we're not alone feel content feel like we don't have to like prove it to other people you know whatever experience you have or whatever place you're in or whatever people assume about you like you don't have to yeah you know who you are is the thing and like I had I spent way too much time like doubting that I was bi or trying to convince myself I was a lesbian or like whatever or like wanting to be like a binary 
not wanting to be a binary gender, but wanting like a fixed answer when un- like when when, when someone comes and asks, yeah, it's like yeah, like my gender is fluid, so I get <laughs> I was confused when I was first figuring it out, and like it's great to not think about those people or those presumptions anymore. You yeah, know what I mean? It's nice when you can like, and again, like everyone's queer journey is always different mm. for every person. So it's like when you do get to that point where you're able to like have that confidence in yourself, that's such a validating moment for yourself because it's kind of like, I know who I am. I'm proud of who I am. I don't need anyone else's input to know that. Mm. Yeah. I am my own queer representation. Yeah, exactly. That's how I see it. That's a, that's um, a really good way of putting it. Mm, yeah you like obviously we need queer representation we've talked about that plenty and obviously like we both love queer representation when it's done well but mm-hmm. sometimes it's good to know that you can be your own and that's what I've been like really joyful about lately is being like yeah like, heck yeah I'm valid and know who I am and know what I want for the most part yeah exactly it's just uh like it's like it's always good when you have like people around you like in media or like friends like when they validate it but it's also nice when you're able to sit down and be like I don't need to be around people that validate me to be- mm. know I'm validated. Yeah yeah both things are adequately fulfilling and that's really nice. Coming up next we're going to be listening to an interview that Laura did with a uh, with a trans queer author that has come out with their with their first book and memoir, As Beautiful as Any Other. Content warning, uh, he does talk about a couple of uh, traumatic moments in his life, like illness, trauma. We chat about dysphoria a little bit, transition and transphobia. None of this goes too in-depth, though, so if you're not too worried by uh, kind of gentle mentions of those topics, take a listen. Um, yeah, so I'm Kaya Wilson. I'm the author of As Beautiful as Any Other. Uh, I am a writer, but I'm also a scientist. So my day job is um, I work as a tsunami scientist and in hazards more generally. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Great. And your pronouns? My pronouns are he, him, they, them. I don't always tell people that. That's interesting. People don't ask me my pronouns yet. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So when people ask, I say he, they. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, so what is As Beautiful As Any Other about? Well, it's memoir and essay. It's hard to pin down. I actually find this the most difficult question. I was thinking, I was like, you know, I just need to prepare a standard spiel, you know, that I just tell people. Your elevator um, pitch. <laughs> yeah, I need, I need a real elevator pitch. Um, but it doesn't come so easily. But yeah, no, it's it is memoir. It sort of captures a time in my life that was like very tumultuous. You know, 2016 was my 2020, and everything went disastrously and dramatically wrong. <laughs> um, I had a horrific surfing accident, uh, which I sort of nearly died in. I 
but it sort of galvanized my decision to transition um, my gender. And then my, my father was dying that year. And so I guess the book captures that time, but also my, like how I emerged out of that. And so, yeah, it captures how I emerged out of it. And I, I just try to talk about bigger ideas as well. So it's a period of time in my life, like three to four years. And then all the things I was thinking about in terms of gender and identity and transition and feminism and the environment. <laughs> and I guess I try and take on quite big topics. Mm. But, um, you know, I did, I did my best. Was that so like those kinds of topics did you or even the you know the personal um did you have to sort of work it out as you wrote was that why you did it or was it kind of like you'd already gone through it mentally and then you wanted to just put it on a page no it's like very much a really big part of the process mm. I started writing um really early on when I didn't expect to be published at all. And it was more or less a diary. I was just sort of accounting what I was going through. I ended up writing maybe a thousand words a week as a sort of just one single essay and ended up with sort of 80 essays or something. And that was when I decided to turn it into a book. But, you know, I, you know, I really was kind of writing myself into being at the time. Like I wasn't, it wasn't just trying to write an account. It was all, it was all a part of it. It was all a part of, traumatic recovery, it was a part of um, figuring things out and figuring what was important to me. And the the tagline is a memoir of my body, right? So I was really interrogating my body and what my body meant to me and the memories I had and um, trying to understand myself and my body. So writing, you know, it, it was part of the process. I was, yeah, just going back to, um, I guess, it traveling from a diary to a, a, a memoir, how did you end up going from that to wanting to publish it? Yeah, so when it was still this diarized account, I started to get a bit of interest from publishers. I was writing other things and I um, had spoken to an agent and so it was starting to like become a possibility. Um, I definitely wanted to turn it into more of a creative work, um, more of a, a book as a whole, like that I had thought through as an artistic thing. And, you know, my sort of initial ideas were like, okay, I'm just going to have chapters that, uh, you know, I went to, <laughs> I went to births, deaths and marriages to change my name. <laughs> and it was just such a shitty experience. But I was like, I thought maybe I can structure my book as sort of births, marriages and deaths and I could fill in all in between just all the aspects of life and how being trans affects those aspects of life and that's how I sort of kicked it off and then you know in the end I was like nah this is boring (laughs) so I ended up it just kind of took on its own life but that thematic kind of structure really stuck and once I had written a few sort of longer chapters, they were like 5,000 words each chapter. Once I'd done that and structured each one around a sort of central theme or, or two themes that kind of dance around each other, then I felt like this was the way I was going to go. And then once I had enough essays, I tried to sort of order them and bring them together in a way that made a bit more sense for the reader. Um, 
had you ever written anything on this kind of theme before or you said you wrote other things was it was this a new approach for you I I think my writing really I had written on other things but I think my writing always picks up when it's about identity Mm -hmm. um and people are more interested in it because I guess it's a slightly different perspective to the mainstream audience to the cis audience they sort of go okay and like some things, for example, one of the chapters came off a Facebook post. So the chapter Rage, I'd written kind of, I'd just written, written it down and I just got more feedback on that from anything I'd ever mm-hmm. put out there and people were just really interested in it. And it's mostly about my perspective of having sort of recently come out as trans and starting to be viewed by strangers as uh masculine as a man and it was right when Eurydice Dixon happened and people like there was a lot of social media discussion a lot of sort of anger from queer people and women um and I sort of wrote about my perspective of experiencing life being viewed as a woman and then being viewed as a man and how different it was and how much safer I felt so, yeah, I mean, because they had such a response, I turned it into a chapter, you know. Yeah, that's um, pretty cool. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that that comparison is quite interesting because even, I mean, I'm not read as masculine very much, but every now and then when I am, it's like a very different uh, kind of respect or politeness towards me, I think, so... That can be, and then when I speak and people hear kind of my higher voice, they go, oh, you know, oh, you're a girl. And then that kind of makes a huge, it kind of comes crashing down. I don't know if you've felt the same sort of um, thing from, from sort of. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've been through every different like perception. So there was quite a long period of time where um, people were just unsure what my gender was or they read me one way and they were 100% certain and then as you say like I spoke or something mm. and then it all kind of <laughs> disintegrated mm. um but yeah I did find you know with bathrooms and stuff you know which are sort of protected spaces that was probably where the most confrontation happened but also just this there you know sometimes people just they don't know what how to c- categorize someone I just really like to have a look <laughs> I don't know. or some environments like country towns or somewhere where being a bit different stands out a bit more. Um, you know, people would just, I remember walking through a tiny country town. I was on a road trip somewhere and sort of appeared quite masculine as pre-tea um, I ordered some takeout or whatever and then I just walked out and people just stopped and stared at me it was like it was and I didn't I wasn't particularly radical looking <laughs> it was just that this gender thing was so confusing or so confronting that it just stopped and stared and, and watched me you know mm, yeah I just moved from Melbourne to a country town and I know what you mean it's very even just having short hair or being someone who doesn't look like they're from there just because of fashion or they don't know your family or whatever it's really jarring 
and yeah. just keep studying. Um, it's like people could just sense something as well. There's something yeah. that they can sense and they might not even know what it is, but <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Also, I'm going to find out. I'm here for a while. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess getting back to your writing, did you kind of, um, I don't know how to ask this exactly, but did you sort of tailor it to a mainstream audience? Because when I, I'm a journalist and when I write about mm. um, some trans issues, I really struggle with wanting everyone to understand, but also not wanting to have to explain, you know, what I think or what a lot of people consider facts of, you know, trans people existing. Um and I only say facts with air quotes just because most people, I guess, or the mainstream won't believe you, but really that's what we know, right? And then they kind of want you to justify, you know, how, I guess what I'm asking is how much did you feel you had to explain to people about feminism or transness or, you know, queerness to to the mainstream? How much do you want them to just already kind of do the work themselves yeah it's quite a difficult balance you know I could you have if you want to be published you have to write to an extent to the mainstream Mm. right um but that being said you don't you might look it is difficult right I I didn't want to over explain I didn't want to have to explain that much but also I didn't want to exclude people who didn't have a gender studies PhD. <laughs> you know, like I didn't want to use um, impenetrable language, which not a lot of trans people would understand either. You know, I just didn't want to take that route. I wanted to kind of honour the intimacy of someone reading a book. You know, it's like being very intimate and alone with them. So I sort of wanted to have that kind of conversation but also, you know, I I love my community and I want them also to, I want trans people to get something from this book, right? And so I didn't, I wanted to, <laughs> this, this is hard, you know, because it's a very difficult balance. Yeah. But uh, trans people have not harmed me. Cis people have, you know, so I I want cis people to be able to read it and get to a better place. And if that involves them doing other work, great. But if this is just one step, that's also a win. Um, but I don't want to lose my trans audience, you know. That's <laughs> uh, So I, I guess, you know, what did I do? I tried to use language that most people will understand. But I also tried to come from a place that honours the trans voice and the trans position that doesn't kind of undermine it. And then maybe explain my perspective as well. You know, I do, you know, I have to explain myself all the time. I'm always explaining myself to people. I'm explaining myself to my family. I explain myself to to my workplace, you know. So I hope I got that balance. I think I have to read it to find out. I think I did want to write something that I would have read myself, which isn't basic, but it also is um inclusive yeah Mm. yeah 
Yeah, it sounds like you've really struck a great balance, I think. And for me, it's just so frustrating because I hate explaining myself. So yeah. thinking, oh, I wish I didn't have to. Why did I choose to be a writer kind of thing? <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, I went to, I really like Tanasi Coates, the writer, and I went to see him at some festival um, back when travel was a thing. And, you know, he... I, I, my, the title of the book is based on one of his quotes. Like I've read his stuff, you know, I, I, it's just like a next level like him. But, you know, he was speaking, he, he was saying how, you know, he writes about his childhood and his community and his life. And so he also, you know, he, he was saying how he will write things in an accessible way, but if you don't know what the Wu-Tang Clan is, you need to catch up. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like he's got a bit of like, audacity there which I try to take on um and it took a bit of entitlement like I didn't always feel that confident or that uh entitled to get people to catch up Mm. but I try to you know I try to be like yeah if you don't know what this means you can look it up (laughs) but um well like when I talk about cultural things I will be a bit more brazen you know not necessarily language but experiences or or things that I get up to or um things that our community does I don't try to explain Mm. you know did you kind of feel like I know you mentioned a lot of those really big topics like feminism did you kind of um I suppose relate that back to your own experiences because you said you were you know going through a lot um were you was that kind of how it was structured that you're able to kind of relate the macrocosm to the microcosm yeah I mean that was the ambition right the things that I had written before I would have a message and people always responded to the personal and absorbed the message by accident uh and that's sort of what I hope happens here, you know, I'm telling a personal story, but when you're trans or queer, like your body and your life is so political already that even if you just tell this personal narrative, there is a, a feminist message or there is a feminist perspective, there's a uh, a queer perspective and that just, that's inevitable. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, you you can read it's all through the personal lens really. Mm. And then I throw in a bit of macro light, <laughs> so like scattered throughout. So hopefully that, you know, the personal narrative carries it, but the bigger ideas and the messages and the lessons that I learned, I also share within it. Yeah. And can you, I don't want to ask you to spoil it or anything, but are there any lessons that you did learn that you kind of want to share? Lessons I learned that I want to share. Oh, they're all a bit sort of um, cuddly lessons that I learned. Latin <laughs> queer likes cuddly. We, yeah. have, we do a news bulletin every week and it can get a little bit dark sometimes, as you can imagine, like queer news. So yeah. It's always really nice to have some nice, you know, messages come out of it as well. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I really learned to love my body and listen to my body. I feel like I learned the power of rest. <laughs> um, I learned to recognize my unhealthy habits and I think just like give myself 
a bit of love and a bit of a break. And, you know, these are sort of growing up lessons, but these are things that we're taught we're not, we don't deserve or we're not worthy of. And it's about kind of, it felt a bit like trying to um, earn that love to give myself, you know. Mm, Yeah. And you sort of mentioned, um, like, I think at the beginning of the interview, sort of learning about your body, your process and your body, and then just now mentioning rest as well. I think a lot of people are going to assume when trans people are talking about their bodies, it's always that discomfort, right? But is there anything else, you know, external to dysphoria that I guess, um, or even you can talk about that obviously, but is there anything um, that you kind of discovered that isn't usually in the trans narrative or that is kind of ignored by the mainstream that you've included? Yeah, I mean, I think the mainstream is so, they are really focused on the body, right? Mm. Um, But, like, for me, the hardest things have not been my own body. (laughs) The hardest things have been how trans people are treated. And, you know, that's where the damage really occurs. And um, I also found a lot of joy in my body and once I could set with transition like once I felt like I learned how to separate the the joy of transition from the negative reactions I got from society as a whole and people I know um it was a really liberating experience you know it was a very joyful thing to um really settle into the kind of bodily peace so, yeah, I mean, the separation of the two was a wonderful experience. <laughs> mm. yeah, yeah, that's always a good point to make because there's that very external kind of thing you have to deal with and then the internal as well and people forget that one can be in complete opposition of the other, I guess. Um, and so the book came out about a week ago, is that right? Came out last Tuesday, yeah, and it was my birthday on Wednesday, so it was a big week. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And happy birthday. Thank you. Um, yeah, I was going to say something else about dysphoria. Like, I have to say that when the times I felt most dysphoric were triggered by external perceptions of transness, I have to say. Like, so that, they were linked. They were very much linked. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've had the exact same experience, actually. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's always been the main thing for me. It's like I'm comfortable as me, like I know me, but then other people obviously don't know me because there's this very rigid idea yeah. of who people are. Um, yeah, was there anything else you wanted to add on that before I... I was going to move on, so I don't know. That's right, move on, move on, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just going to ask, I guess, how the um, the release went. Oh, it was it was very, like, this is new for me, right? Mm. But it was very exciting. Uh, I took the week off. I was, like, prepared for whatever was going to happen. I did a bit of media, but not heaps. So I sort of had maybe mornings doing stuff. And then kind of afternoons relaxing, which was lovely. It was beautiful weather. I got a little kayak. Um, and then I did Sydney Writers Festival on the weekend, which was, like, wild. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and I did a Queer Stories event, you know, Queer Stories by Maeve Martin. So there's a special Rise Festival one. It was huge. There were like over 400 people there. Um, and then the following day I did an In Conversation with also Maeve Marsden and then another writer, Sarah Dingle, who's a journalist who wrote about being donor-conceived. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was a bit of a like, um, that was... It was, a, it was actually really interesting. I wouldn't have mind being in the audience because it was such a, it was an odd combination and she's very straight and um, like that's like, but that's her topic, you know, and there's Maeve and me who are both super queer. So it obviously drew a queer audience who were interested in our stories, but also interested in founding a family and like queer families. Um, so yeah, it was, it was good. Um, yeah, so it was a book signing and then, then all my events were over and it was just a huge relief. <laughs> oh, cool. Do you have any other work in progress at the moment? Writing work? Yeah. I don't. Um, you know, last there was a period of time in my life where I was doing a PhD and writing this book and then COVID hit and my scholarship was running out, so I ended up offered a job basically there's a period in my life where I was working full-time finishing this book and finishing a PhD and I just yeah I just like I was like I'm gonna have weekends (laughs) from now on so you know I was like talking about you know teaching yourself to rest and being kind to your body it just so I'm not working on any projects my plan is to you know just enjoy this for a bit and then go to four days a week at work and start writing one day a week and just see what happens. I think, I don't think I'll ever lose the personal in my work, but I think, um, so I think it's a bit disingenuous to pretend you're not there. I'm quite sort of open to new and different experiences and different work, so we'll see. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us and best of luck with the rest of the you know, I guess the media and all the rest of the yeah got a got ahead of you. More festivals and things, and yeah, I think I'm. I think it'll be fun. So it was a pleasure to, to meet you. Welcome back to Loud and Queer. That was my interview with Australian trans writer Kaya Wilson, and the journey he took in uh, in writing his first book and memoir about his life uh, if any of those topics concerned you though please call q life at 1-800-184-527 or lifeline at 13114 welcome back to loud and queer my name's laura i'm here with my co-host elizabeth now we're going to jump into Froth or Not. Um, I haven't really had any major ups or downs this week, so I'm going to throw it to you first, Elizabeth. That's fair enough. Again, like I'd say like I haven't had too many ups or downs. I mean, like mm-hmm. other than being like busy in like working on like other stuff because I'm currently working as like a writer and working socials for like the show The League, which will be coming out soon on RMITV. Oh, cool. So that's a lot that? of fun. Uh, it's like a it's like a comedy news show. It, that's the best way I can describe it. It's it's a lot of fun. Like my friends are currently working as the producers for it, and like 
they're, they're giving it their all and it's mm. like it's it's really exciting to see all the work that they're doing and I'm excited to see the work that comes out of it so like that it's been pretty busy working away on all of that of course but like like other than that that just kind of it's just left me tired so I wouldn't really consider that a nod like that's more of a froth if anything um it's really weird how like I'm the same this week just media makers in general like we don't know how to stop we're like I hate I can't do this anymore I'm so freaking tired like what's going on and then we like keep making media while we're like (laughs) complaining about it (laughs) Oh no, the amount of times I've gotten like, I keep getting like mentions from like, I get getting emails from RMIT talking about, hey, here's an internship you could sign up for. And I'm just sitting here like, it would physically kill me if I take this internship, but high key, I want to take it. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. We never know when to stop. No, we don't. Maybe because the industry like chronically underpays us. It's Oh, of course. I don't, I don't know, but it's just a thought. Well, that'll be one topic one week, let me tell you. <laughs> Oof, yeah. Look, on a on a week where the news whiff is lighter, we can go into a, a bit more of a topic about underpayment of the arts. Woo. Oof. That's that's a whole that could be a segment on its own. Let me tell you if this was not if this mm. if it had if I could somehow link it to being queer, like, oh, I would I could I could talk for a while about that. <laughs> Literally, I had someone like presume that um, my friend who works at a local paper in in Melbourne got paid more than me because city papers have like bigger budgets. And I was like, <laughs> no, they don't get paid more to work on the weekend. They just work on the weekend without pay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why am I laughing? That hurts. <laughs> yeah, you look in pain, but... <laughs> I understand completely. <laughs> I mean, like, it's it's the most, like, the amount of, like, when I mentioned, like, half those internships that come on, the amount of them that just say unpaid, I'm just sitting here like, well, you know, a little yeah. bit of payment would be nice. Just, like. A little bit. Just a crumb. Yeah, just 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 a bit for my work. That's not, it's. I feel like I'm not asking for much, but. Yeah. You know. Even, like, a free lunch might be good. Exactly. <laughs> at this stage. Oh. Uh, um, I had like an intern. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, well, that's, oh, we're going off topic no, 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 there. No, no. <laughs> okay, maybe we should revisit this though. It sounds like we'll both have a lot of stories. It sounds like it. Um, yeah. So, um, moving moving on, I guess. What was your froth? Um, yeah, I had a. It actually happened today. It was. It was. I found it pretty funny. Um, it was kind of those moments where it's kind of like, oh, heter- heteronormativity strikes again, but like we won in the end, so I don't care. <laughs> mm, okay. It was it's it was funny. We had a in one of my classes, we had to do a writing assignment where we watched this one like really short film, and then mm. they wanted us to to keep like expand the story further, like keep writing it and like create a new ending yeah. for it. And oh, cool. to be frank, like starting out like it was a very depressing story like it was all about this mm. woman who was like like from like how it was shot like she seemed very lonely and she's she gets on the train mm. it's very busy someone starts talking and says basically like I feel very lonely I want to find someone and like basically like kind of like pitching himself like he wants to have a relationship so it's like if any like if anyone feels the same like get off of the next train get at the next stop with me discreetly and we can like get to know each other and she gets off 
And as closing, he says, I'm sorry, it was for a sketch. And so she's left alone at the train platform. Oh, and okay. So, like, it was it was not a nice ending. Like, we, like, it wasn't even just me. No. Like, everyone in the class was kind of like, I did not like that at all. But yeah. we had to get into groups and, like, so one group had to t- write it in, like, turn it into a revenge story. And then my group got oh. to turn it into a romantic comedy and my immediate thought was let's make it gay. Yes. Oh, my God. You have, like, a meet cute with, like, a cute woman who sees what happened and is like, hey, exactly. are you okay? And then, yeah, hell yeah. yeah. All right. So and then what? It was funny. <laughs> and then what? It was very funny when um, talking about no group because I brought up the idea of, like, her meeting another woman and everything then getting, like, them mm. like finding love and stuff like that and I, cause I said I said the phrase like they find love and like maybe get back at the guy like not like a full and revenge mm. story but like they just like get back and get together and what, halfway through a brain's ring one of the people in the group goes or better yet why not like they find love with each other instead of finding love with someone else and I was sitting there for like I think there's like a moment of silence for everyone and then like one of the people in the group goes wasn't that what we were already doing <laughs> so we still got our cute, meet uh, cute gay love story, but it was just a moment of like, no. wait a minute. <laughs> I hate group assignments. Oh my god, trash! Did you throw that person out? Where you like get out? Of <laughs> I was just like, man, it's terrible. Like I was just kind of like, I mean, you you got it in the end at least. Like you came, you think you came up <laughs> with the idea, but like it sailed way over your head the first time. Like, like part of me is mm. kind of like, part of me thinks that, oh, I should, that's something I shouldn't have said they find love. I should have just said they get together. Right. But at the same time, it should be my no. job to do that. But, oh, well, it was funny. We got no. to write a meet cute gay love story and that's that's what I consider a win. Oh, so you got to do yeah, it? We still got to do it. Like, she, like yes. they came up with the idea. Gay. They just, like, they thought, they thought, like, we... It was like a, a miscommunication, you know, where they thought that when I said they find love, they were thinking, oh, they find love with, like, other people. With a man. Yeah. And it was like, oh, no. but, like, it wasn't like they were against it. The second it was came up, we were kind of like, wasn't that we were already doing? And they were like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, it's just the default thing is annoying. Yeah, I was just like kind of, I was just that you've got to be like. Yeah, my my first thought was like, like, my first thought I said, I didn't say it, but my first was, oh, the heteronormativity is strong. Ouch. Yeah. You should have said it out loud. <laughs> I would have. No, I probably. Mm. Oh, well. Like, it would depend on the day. True. Like, so, like, I guess, like, that that moment could have been considered a not for being just annoying like that. But I consider it a froth because, like, again, me, cute, gay, love story. That's that's a win on my books. That's totally a win. Oh, cute. <laughs> I'm glad. Are you going to make it into a movie now? Uh, I don't think we can because technically it's a continuation of like that story. And it was mainly just a writing oh, exercise, right. but like I'm, I never mm. said I'm not going to stop it for another day. Save it, okay. save it, okay. rewrite it for a, save it for a rainy day. All right. I won't <laughs> ask too many questions then. <laughs> you can go on if you want. It's all good. Oh, I don't want to like ruin the, I don't want to like ask too many things that will, uh, bound you to like the copyright of that other movie like that's, maybe if you change enough details that's true I mean like the main thing was just like yeah. her kind of getting stood up on at the train platform and well I can I can do I can work with that 
Oh, yeah. Every man would stand up a woman at a train platform. That's not new. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> um, sweet. Well, I, yeah, I haven't had like any major froths or knots this week, but I did um, have a few artistic ideas oh, and yeah. my artistic ideas are like few and far between. So I'm really keen to like put some time aside to make those things um with a lot of queer themes I think so I kind of I've had this thing where I've wanted to like learn photography learn to draw learn to paint oh yeah and I can kind of do all of those things but I've never like done it consistently enough to get really good at it you know so Mm. I really want to learn how to do that and I thought what's the best way to do that well I'll like sketch some ideas up and then I'll like take photos of them as reference photos but I'll make the photos really high quality and then I'll paint those photos and that's got me like thinking that my little studio and my new house will be like the perfect place oh that that sounds so good I'm really keen that sounds Mm -hmm. so nice I'm so excited for it, but the problem is I don't have a lot of spare time because I've got this new job. So, and they keep, you know, wanting me to stay back, and I'm working the weekend this weekend. Oh, no. So oh, I don't sorry. know. Like, like maybe doing the, anything. Say maybe the weekend, but dang it. Mm, yeah, I don't think they'll have me on the whole time. It's just like a couple hours here and there to take photos of things that happen mm. on the weekend. But then again, it can always kind of oh, feel gosh. like. Like, I don't know about you, but there are times where it feels like I've got one thing on to do today at this specific time. Mm. Therefore, I cannot do anything for the rest of the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've definitely been there. Or I like dawdle in the morning until that thing happens. And I'm like, yeah, I'll totally do the other thing after the event that I go to. And then obviously you're way too tired after that. Yeah, exactly. Like that's happened to me so often with just assignments. So even like Mm. things I want to do, it's just it's just as bad. Yeah, true. But I think this will be one of those things that's like a part of affirming that queerness that I was talking about earlier, like that own, that like self-made contentment of knowing your identity and like um, getting to live in it, like just existing in it. And so I think like photographing myself, you know, with queer themes involved and then painting that, that you know, being creative and expressive yeah, that's kind of the goal. That's really the goal of that is like, I don't, you know, my partner is an artist and has all these plans for exhibitions and really cool things. And I'm really supportive of that. But for me, I'm like, you know, my writing gets seen by people all the time now. And I just want something for myself, you know? So yeah, I just want to like make some creative projects happen for once instead of, um, I guess they always get shelved because other things are going on because I'm doing a million internships or a million whatevers and like this will be just like the time I think where I can sit down in the evenings after my my you know day job and and do that so that'll be really cool. Yeah that sounds really nice like just have those moments for Mm. you which is but they're always important to have especially when like Mm. even now with like you're still getting settled into the new house and everything and your new job and stuff it's like having those moments for you is just so important I think yeah definitely and like making sure that I get up early enough in the morning to like enjoy my morning or um you know make the house my own place and not let it get you know messy and out of hand and that kind of thing and then 
um, kind of getting home in the afternoons to enjoy it and like do those creative things even like this you know loud and queer for me is quite creative too um and um it yeah it really is a continuation of all of that kind of effort to like feel really comfortable with where I am yeah yeah so yeah fair enough Mm-hmm. <laughs> some big things in Froth or Not this week, some some big uh, ideas, but yeah, um, I think that's that kind of sums me up at the moment, <laughs> is the kind of I'm content but I'm growing kind of energy. So, well, that's always yeah. a good energy to have. It's like you're happy with how things are going mm. and you're excited for them to get better. Mm, true. I'm Laura, here with my co-host Elizabeth, and we're just going to see you out after a huge episode. We talked about our, um, you know, the things that have been happening in LGBT news across the world in the last week. We've talked about queer moments of joy that we both feel. We've heard from a newly published first-time author, Kaya Wilson, about um, what it's been like to publish a a memoir on transness and feminism and all those good things and we just had our froth or not which um honestly was probably one of my favorite froth or nots uh you know that we've ever done so (laughs) I have to agree yeah we we only improve you and I Elizabeth naturally (laughs) naturally (laughs) um (laughs) But if you want to hear that again, you can hear it at Apple Music, Omni, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check out our socials on Instagram and Twitter at SinLoud. That's at S-Y-N Loud. Again, I am available, just saying. (laughs) Someone date Elizabeth. Seriously, we need more content. (laughs) You can also check out our Facebook group at the the Sin Loud and Queer Community Cafeteria or just or just the page Loud and Queer. And you can also check out any of the music that we played on today's show on Spotify with the, at the Loud and Queer Mixtape 2021. Next week, we will probably be hearing from a queer activist in the US. I think I finally pinned them down for an interview, oh, so yes. I'm very keen about that. Unfortunately, it will be about a pretty awful topic, which is the slew of anti-trans bills being introduced Ah. across US state parliaments. So if you're interested, tune in for that. It'll be a big one, but it's a very important topic. And I think I really want to delve into why this kind of backlash against trans people and trans kids is coming up now. So um, although it'll be, you know, a hard topic to kind of get our teeth into, it's also a very, very important one to I think understand, just understanding people and why they react this way to trans people and to queer people is very, um, very important for like progressing. Although, you know, that said, they don't do us the same courtesy, but. It's important to understand, but it's just annoying that like we have to be the ones to do the understanding instead of, you know, both ways. Yeah. Or just. This little rare thing in the world called common decency. Oh, yeah. Just like letting people be themselves and not worrying about the fact that they 
are just trying to live. Anyway, look, whatever. <laughs> that, that's, that, that's for next week. That's for next week to worry about. That's for future Laura and Elizabeth to worry about. Um, but there's, your sneak peek for the, there's your sneak peek for the week. We'll also be um, interviewing a queer musician. I've got that in the works. Let me find their name, sorry. Dion Tai is a queer musician who's just released new music. So um, we'll definitely have that for you um, soon. We'll give that a spin and hopefully have an interview with Dion very, very soon. So you can look forward to that too. Awesome. Um, yeah, thanks for listening to our first show of the season. I thought it went pretty well, all things considered. I think so too. It feels good to be back. Back it at does. things. I'm glad we're back and I'm glad we've, um, you know, got – like so many weeks of really interesting topics to look forward to and I think we're going to be doing even more reviews and interviews this season and um we're going to have Sammy on board soon and yeah it's just going to be really excited to see them on the show and get Mm. to talk with them yeah yeah they're very cool honestly too cool too (laughs) they have the Lawrence they have the Laura seal of approval oh definitely (laughs) this this person uh, the coolest anyway <laughs> i won't gush too long thank you for listening to us we'll see you next sunday at three i'm laura i'm elizabeth and you're listening to loud and queer the voice for lgbtq plus youth and music only on synth this is loud and queer